This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. This is for your athlete, your everyday man, your working guy, your or, or girl, your blue-collar worker. If you have aches and pains, go to this website. You have everything from tonics to bombs to rub-ons to lotions, anything you need or want. And if you're a woman, that's what happens to be listening to the show. Thank you very much. And go to poppyapparel.com and use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. It is a women clothing apparel store. They ship everywhere worldwide. If you spend more than $50, it's free shipping. If you're into wrestling collectibles, autographs, comic books, action figures, anything nerd culture, make sure to visit firstrow.ca. It is a Canadian company. Everything is in Canadian funds. And if you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll receive 20% off. Again, that is firstrow.ca. And lastly, if you want to support the podcast directly and you want to buy some merchandise, we got everything from tees to hoodies to onesies, phone cases, pillows, mugs, and more. Go to tpublic.com, search the podcast, or if you're smart enough, scroll to the bottom of wherever you're listening on your device and click on the link there and it'll take you right to the site. So this week, once again, I am live on location from Extreme Couture Gyms in Toronto with my guest this week, Jason Gaudette. What's going on, sir? What's up? Not much, man. Everything's good. Just another day at the office and now I'm sitting here with you. And where, what is your office per se? Because why am I here? Why am I at Extreme Couture? Who are you? Well, we're the largest fitness and MMA training facility in North America, as far as I know, square footage-wise. Oh, wow. And we offer it all from MMA to fitness, cross-training, personal training, physiotherapy, chiro, Kids, full kids program, yeah. yoga, Zumba, oh, everything. Shit. Everything. Yeah, you name it. We got it all. Oh, wow. And what do you do here? I'm the general manager here, so I oh, just nice. basically make sure people do their jobs. <laughs> Before we get to your story, because your story is a very interesting one, that's why I have you on here today. Well, mind you, I love MMA too, and we are sitting in the octagon in Extreme Couture, which is pretty cool itself. 
But what was your path to get you here to be the general manager at Achoogle Turk? Uh, it's kind of funny because I didn't, it wasn't actually my ambition. Okay. I was always into fitness and right. loved fitness and sports my whole life. Okay. And I ended up, after uh, going to Durham College in Oshawa, oh. I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, so okay. I moved back to Sault Ste. Marie for a little while. And then there just wasn't anything there for me anymore, so I wanted to move back to Southern Ontario. Okay. But I didn't have a job. Sure. So I literally <laughs> threw resumes out to every possible thing I could think of. Okay. And then I got a call from a place called Curzon's Fitness Clubs. Okay, yeah. I never even knew I sent a resume to this place. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's always those places. So, of course, I, I wanted to, sure, I need a job. So I go do sure. the interview. And it's for a reception role. Oh, wow. The only male receptionist out of all these female receptionists. Right. So, sat down there, started there, and after about a week, the sales manager came up to me and he said, hey, have you ever thought of doing sales? Okay. And I said, no, I don't, I don't like sales. And he goes, why do you not like sales? Right. Do your parents not like sales? <laughs> and this guy was like so good. He was banging. And I go, I go, well, yeah. I go, they're pushy. Salespeople are pushy. Right. And... Then he sold me. He said, "I know, right?" <laughs> he said to me, "He goes, well, you. I see you work out after your shift every day." He goes, "You right. seem to really be into health and fitness." Okay. Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, no, I am." And he said, "Well, do you not think that it would make sense for you to share those, your beliefs with other people and help them to become more fit and healthy?" Smart guy. <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, and he's like, well, what if I told you that you can make a lot more money doing that than doing reception like you're doing right now? Cha-ching. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> tell me more. Right. And that was probably uh, roughly 20 years ago. Okay, right. And uh, here I am today. I've moved along, and this is where I've, I've been here now for almost 11 years. Love the owners here, love the staff, and right. it's the only place I'd want to be. Perfect, that's awesome. So how long has this building been here now for? How long uh, have they been in the We just had our 11, our 11 year anniversary. Oh, we celebrated so it. So you were here from the this start. Summer. Uh, al- almost. I was here a little bit after they started. Yeah, but even so, those first couple of months really don't count. Cause you know what I mean? You're not really getting the client. I'm sure it wasn't as busy as it was today. Obviously no. with the background noise and stuff like that, right? And back then, the MMA boom, because everyone associates Extreme Couture as being an MMA-only gym. Yeah. So that's why when you're rattling off all these other things like Zumba and yoga oh. and everything... But he was a sausage factory, man, when we first started. <laughs> it was really it was really bad. We had to promote every way we could to women. And then women really? would come in, okay. and we'd show them around the gym. We'd take them on a tour. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd take them back to the MMA area, and they'd see all guys. And, of course. You know? So then they'd, okay, let me think about it. You know? Really? And, of course, they'd never come back. So it took years, but we ended up getting getting quite a big women's program going right now. We actually have ladies-only Muay Thai, ladies-only boxing classes. Really? Okay. And we have a number of women that, that work in with the, uh, with the co-ed classes, and they... Oh, that's cool. They just love it. So it's come a long way. Yeah. No, of course. Even when I walked in, you were like, oh, you, you see that, that woman there that's with the little girl? Yeah, S- Sandy Seguris, one of exactly. our boxing coaches. She's a world she's a world champion. And that's what you get at Extreme Couture, right? I guess that's what reels people in. Exactly. <laughs> the quality. Well, one thing that I tell people all the time mm-hmm. after being working in you know a bunch of different gyms, I tell them, I find that people go to gyms to exercise right. and they come to Extreme Couture to get results. Like it's it's like just that. it's just more serious. People come here when they're done trying and failing, right. when they're ready to succeed, and you know, put forth that effort and 
learn from the right people. Well, it's true because you got to be, I'm sorry to say, to use the word, but hardcore to come to this gym. Like, it's not just like some New Year's resolution type of thing, but I'm sure you get those people too, obviously. Yeah. But if you're serious, you're going to come to this type of gym because, like you said, you have everything from top to bottom, from beginner to intermediate to, to professional, even, right? Because I'm sure you guys have, when the UFC comes to town or whoever comes to town, these guys get the MMA guys coming in here and training. Well, we used to. We used to always hold the uh, open workouts. That's right, yeah. And then, uh, I guess, Randy Couture and uh, Dana White had a falling out. Or right. Whatever. So then that's it. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, I, for people who want to try to get in to, to fitness or to training or even to lose a few pounds or to feel better, what's the one mistake everyone does to start off that pushes them away and never makes them come back? I believe people set a goal that's not that it's too big. It's great to have high goals and high hopes. Sure. But they don't break it up into small segmented goals. Oh. And it's the same thing with recovery from injuries or anything sure. else. If you come into a gym and your goal is to lose 100 pounds mm -hmm. and you just keep thinking about 100 pounds, well then no matter what you see when you step on the scale, it's going to be a disappointment. Right. Of course. But if you tell yourself, I want to lose five pounds and that's my goal, mm -hmm. and you lose five pounds, well, then that gets you excited, right. gets you motivated, <laughs> makes you want to set another goal of losing another five pounds. That's true. And the momentum that that builds yeah. is unbelievable. And before you know it, boom, 100 pounds. It's true. Because you always see, like, even for myself with the podcast, like, I, I have my high goals and I know they're there and they're in my back pocket, but it's not realistic to put them on the table yet and be like, I'm going to accomplish this within like a time frame. No, you set the baby steps and it's like growing up as a child, right? You do the baby steps and then you start walking, you start running, and then finally you're professional and you're doing marathons, right? So it's sort of like, I understand that, but at the same time, with fitness, people don't see the results right away that they gave up or they say it's too hard. But if it's too hard off the bat, then you must be doing something wrong, right? Absolutely. Because it shouldn't be hard if you're starting at a lower level, so to speak. And, and other also, you used a good analogy that I used recently when I was speaking in an elementary school okay. about you know kids with walking. Right. And people nowadays, they're not they. As soon as there's any bit of resistance or any possibility of failure, they want to yes. close themselves off. And especially today's generation. Right. 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 Because they don't want to face that. But right. but if you think about back when we were babies, we we start we learned to crawl. Yeah. And then what we do? We tried to maybe walk, and we fell flat on our face. Exactly. <laughs> what did we do then? We might have cried, but we got right back up, boom, right. down again, down again, down again. But we just kept doing it, and now we don't think when we walk. And now we run. See, exactly. And that's what people don't understand. People try to run right away, then they keep falling over and over. And now that you're an adult and you haven't learned to walk properly, you give up. Exactly. Yeah, that's... that's kind cool. of. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, let's get into your story. I, I want to hear this, my friend, because you, you were recently featured on CP24 and everything. Yeah, so, on City TV, yeah. So I'll, let's, let's start off from the beginning. So what happened was, me and my wife had tried to have kids for four and a half years. We were just about ready to give up. And it was, it was let me take you back to February 1st, 2015. Okay. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Right. It was the Super Bowl where New England intercepted Russell Wilson at the one-yard line to end the game. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. My wife knows I'm a football fan. She <laughs> leaves me alone during stuff like that. Nice. As soon as the game ended, 
she said, honey, do you have a minute? I said, yeah, sure. And she said, I want to show you something. Okay. And she showed me a po positive pregnancy test. Oh, okay. And I was literally shocked. I said, I, you sure? Because, you know, we've been through this for a long time. Of course. And she said, I tried it twice, so oh, okay. I feel good about it. She said, but I'll call tomorrow the doctor and I'll book a blood test for Tuesday. Of course, yeah. So Monday morning comes, I wake up excited, you know, thinking about this whole opportunity. I'm finally going to get the chance to be a father. I actually remember driving to work. I put on uh, the song With Arms Wide Open by Creed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was making me think about all this stuff and I'm going to get sure. to be a dad. I'm going to teach, yep. my, teach my kid everything. And I went to work that day. I felt a little bit tired okay. on the drive, but I didn't think much about it. I got to work, worked my normal day, no problems. I, I had to drive home a buddy. I live in Oshawa, and I had to drop off a guy in Scarborough. Oh, okay. So it's on the way. Yeah. So on the way. So we're driving home. I drop this guy off. Then I continue on my way. I call my dad. It was his birthday, February 2nd. Okay. So I call him, apologize. Sorry I didn't call you earlier today, Dad. I was you know, just really busy at work, but I wanted to make sure I got to talk to you, wish you a happy birthday. So we talked for the last maybe 20 minutes of my drive. Right. Then I get home. And my routine, my routine was the same. Okay. Every Monday to Friday, I would come in. I have a yellow lab named Duke. Okay. I would let him out, let him do his business. I'd come into the house. I'd go do my business. <laughs> and then I'd go into my basement and I'd work out because I had gym stuff down there. Sure, okay. So this day was no different. Right. Same routine. And then I, was, I came in the house. I was walking uh, through the kitchen to get to the washroom. And my wife asked me a question. How was your day, honey? And I answered her and she said, why are you slurring? Oh, sure. And you don't hear yourself slurring. So I, it made me kind of argumentative. I said, oh, yeah. I said, slurring, what are you talking about, honey? I said, I had a long day. I said, anyway, I'm tired. I got to go to the washroom and then I got to go work out because if I don't do it soon, I'm not going to go do it. Right. She's like, all right, no problem, sorry. You know, typical yeah, yeah. husband wife stuff, right? Yeah, of course. So I go to the washroom, do my business get up and I go to wash my hands and when I went to lift my left arm to put it over the sink mm -hmm. I couldn't control it oh wow what it was like shaking it or, was it was limp it was weak and it was just I don't even know how to explain it other than the message I was trying to send it oh, it, it wasn't it. it wasn't understanding what gotcha. I was trying to tell it okay wow and that scared me but I still wasn't thinking really bad I just didn't really know what to think. So I came out of the wash and I said to my wife, said, hey honey, something weird's going on. I'm having trouble operating my left arm. And she said, sit down for a sec. So I sat down. She said, smile. So I smiled. And then she said, are you doing that on purpose? Oh no, what happened? And when I saw her raise her voice like that, I knew I was effed. Oh no. Because I knew what that meant. It meant that half of my face wasn't doing what the other half was doing. Oh, shit. So my face was drooping. Right. At that moment, I instantly put it together, slurring, left arm, and now this. Right. I'm having a stroke. Right, yeah. So. And, and sorry, and how old were you at this time? I was 36. Okay. So, fairly, you know, you know what's going on in life. You have fairly to life young, yeah. So. Get together, okay. So. 
we jump in we jump in the car we should have called 911 I know this now but we're, we live about 10 minutes down the road we jump in the car we drive to the hospital okay I was completely aware of everything oh okay um, she was telling me how are you feeling I said I feel fine other than the fact that I'm nervous right and she said okay well don't worry we're gonna be there soon okay we get in the waiting room of the hospital <laughs> and I'm looking at these people in this waiting room, right? And all I can, that's running through my head is, I'm going before all of you. Oh, <laughs> that's true, you know. And that is true. So my wife goes up to the uh, triage nurse and she right. says, "I think my husband's having a stroke." She says, "Bring him, bring him up here right away." That's it. So we go up right away, and she does my blood pressure. Okay. And she said, "Your blood pressure is perfect." So wow, I, I really, yeah. She said, "So I." I don't think you're having a stroke. Okay. So instantly my nerves ease. Oh, so you're relieved now. Yeah, I'm like, oh my no God, anxiety. great. Yeah, yeah, this is something else. <laughs> it must be something really small, I'm thinking. Sure. And then she says, but we'll take a CAT scan just to be sure. Okay. So I go in for this CAT scan. <clears throat> Next thing I know, I'm I'm laying on the, on the gurney yeah. and this guy comes above me and he goes, hey, you're the manager of Extreme Couture, aren't you? And I, I couldn't believe it. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I go, I go uh, yeah. And he goes, well, Doug, who is the owner here, okay. he said, just called me. So this guy was the head of ER. Oh. And I guess my wife had called Doug and said, I think Jason's having a stroke. Right. And Doug ha- happened, just happened to know this guy. Right. So he's like, Doug asked me to take care of you. He That's goes, awesome. I want to let you know right now, Jason, that you're having a stroke. You have a lot. Shit. You have a lot of bleeding going on in your brain, and we are not capable of helping you at this hospital. Have you been on an ambulance ride? Oh my God! And I said, No, I haven't. And he said, Okay, well, you're going to go on one now. We're going to take you to Toronto Western, where they're going to be better capable, better, better suited to help you. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So now, how's your anxiety level? Through the roof. Exactly. Shit. So. Me and my wife are getting the back of this ambulance. Right. And I'm still clearly alert. I'm talking to the ambulance driver. I'm saying, uh, you know, how fast are we going right now? Are you guys allowed to go as fast as you want? Like, <laughs> You're trying to push it, it a bit. It's so weird. Of course. This is your life, man. Yeah. And so we get, we get to Toronto Western. Okay. Next thing I know, make a long story short. No, make as long as you want. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're going to bring me in for surgery. Okay. So... So are they ready? Are they there waiting for you, um, or do you still have to wait? They, you'd, you'd have to ask my wife all those oh, details. I don't remember it's, exactly, it's okay. but but what I, I remember being wheeled down down this long hallway with my wife being right there, and I remember kind of like the handoff between me and her. You know, I remember right. thinking, okay, now it's just it's just me and me and these people, it's right? To, yeah, it's up to the doctors. Me and these doctors. Wow. And so. They gave me some twilight drug of some sort. <laughs> okay. Now, I don't know what this drug was, mm-hmm. and I've never done much in terms of drugs in my life. Okay, right. But this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you were tripping out. Well, all it was was I had no fear at all. Oh, maybe it was like a, uh, something that brought you down. I don't know, right? but I did not care about anything. In that so, case, it's awesome. Right? Yeah, so they. I remember them saying... We are going to make an insert insertion in your groin, and we're gonna we're gonna go up 
from your groin to your brain. Shut up. And I said to them, I go, you mean to tell me there's a roadway from the groin to the brain? And they're like, they're like, yeah, there That's is. Awesome. They're like, yeah, there is. I, I never like, knew that fuck? either. What the fuck? Yeah. And I watched them make this insert, insertion and I'm, I'm not, it doesn't phase me at right. all. And plus, you don't feel the pain, nothing. Right. So, oh my God. And this seemed to me like it was 10, 15 minutes long. My wife tells me it was several hours. Holy but shit. But what they tried to do was go up with uh, something up into my brain right. and release a glue-type substance okay. that would stop the bleeding. Oh, I see. So, like, almost like patch it up like a dam, so to speak. Yeah. Right? So, they okay. go through this process. Right. And then they tell me, I'm sorry, Jason, but this procedure didn't work. Fuck. And I instantly, it was just quick, I said, so now you guys have to cut my head? Right. And they said yes. Oh, wow. And I said, okay. And then thinking back on it now, what I the next thing I said was probably the stupidest thing I've ever said. But you were on drugs, so. But yeah, exactly. So I said to them, <laughs> there's about seven doctors, and I go, okay. I go, guys, I just want you to know that I found out yesterday okay. that I am going to be a dad. That's my right. wife is pregnant. I forgot about this. And so I said to them, oh my god, you guys are the only people other than me and my wife that know this. Right. And you guys need to save my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As if you're the prime minister yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I go, I go, yeah, I go, I I need oh, to be shit. a father and my child is going to need to, yeah. a father. Exactly. You want and to be so, there for him. And yeah. so you guys are the only ones that can make this happen right now. Of course. So much pressure I put on them. And they're like, they're like, well, we're gonna do every, they're gonna we're gonna do everything we can. And their monotone voice, of course, because yeah. they've seen it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Next thing I know it's just three, two, one, you know, lights out. Right? They oh, put, it was not quick. They inject me, whatever, put Shit. me to sleep and okay. and I'm out. Okay. And how long was the surgery? Um in real time, obviously. Uh don't quote me on this, but I think it was around eight hours when we said. Shit. That's crazy. And obviously it's a success because you're here. But how was it when you woke up? Like, were so, you aware? Did you know what was going on? What was your first thoughts? Well, you're, oh, I'm alive. Well, they told me that I was on life support for five days. Oh my God, you were out that long. So I don't remember any of that, of course. Coma? Were you in a coma or induced coma uh, or anything? I, I believe, yeah, induced. Okay. And so what, would hap- what happened Shit. was... The, the only, first memory I have was opening my eyes and seeing my wife there. That's, a, now, good, that's a good thing. Yeah, and now they had told me, they had told my wife that we do, we're playing with the brain here. We, we can't promise you anything. Understandable. We do not know if he will ever wake up again. And right. if he does, we don't know if he'll know who you are. If he'll know who he is. Well, part of the brain got disturbed enough to... Yeah, they, like, they actually had to... they fuck you up. <laughs> they actually had to take a big piece of my brain out because oh my God. what happened was I I ha- had an AVM and I didn't know I had this. So what okay. that stands for is arterial venous malformation. Oh, so was that like... I was born with like a tangle of arteries in my oh, brain. Oh, so like, you know how like it's wavy in the yes. brain, so it's like almost... It was Not at almost, yeah. Right. So oh, I was shit. a ticking time bomb from the day I was born. So it's going to happen regardless. Yeah. So nothing you would have done in your lifestyle would have prevented No, this. I had no okay. signs, wow. no symptoms, nothing. Right. And I, I was thinking, like, I can't believe I played, like, competitive sports and stuff. And oh, my God. This thing never ruptured. And being in Canada, I'm sure you played hockey, yeah. football, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, baseball. And all of a sudden, just... Oh, my God. Just boom, it. You know, it, it ruptured. So that was uh, 
So waking up. Oh, shocking. So yeah, so I wake up. I look at my wife, and I first thing I did was point to her stomach and give her a thumbs up. Right. And she tells me now that that was instant relief to her because to her she knew that that meant I was at least cognitive. I knew right. that she was pregnant. <laughs> exactly. You still remembered your life. And then I, I had a breathing tube down my throat, so I couldn't talk. So I used my hand to gesture for a pen that I want to write oh. something. Smart. So they give me a, a clipboard, and I wrote, "How did procedure go?" See, so you, yeah, right there they should know you got your wits to you, right? Yeah, and they they said procedure went went great. Right. So my next question was, can my wife give me a bath? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me why I I felt dirty. I guess. <laughs> That's hilarious. What people think. What they want on that spur of the moment, yeah. right? Obviously some serious oh swelling on the brain at that moment. <laughs> so they said, no, you're you're clean, don't worry. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so then I, f- I found out from there that, you know, it, was, it had been five days. Right. And that the procedure had went well. Okay, perfect. The prognosis was that they... they Believed I would walk again in some capacity, okay. but they weren't optimistic I would regain much, if any, use of my arm or hand. Seriously? On the left side. Wow. So I was completely paralyzed from head to toe on the left side, couldn't wiggle a toe, couldn't blink my eye. Are you eye. kidding me? Nothing. Wow. And that was very scary to me, but I don't know what happened in those five days on on life's war but there was some strength given to me that I so I was sure going to ask you you know how they show in the movies that you have this dream and that you see God or all your memories flash before you don't remember shit right it, it just it's, it's so weird because blackness or it's so weird because I I don't remember I never I didn't see no light or you right. know I don't have any recollection or of anything like that but but something weird really weird did happen in a sense that I remember when I woke up and I had people constantly telling me that they were praying for me right and my answer to them was i know really i actually in some weird unexplainable way yeah. i could feel like prayer penetrating my body that's awesome don't worry i believe like i i believe in god too i, yeah. I was born a catholic so i believe now i believe more in I still believe in Jesus and all that stuff that I was taught, right? But it's more of like an energy. Yes. Like religion to me is like one big ball of positive energy if it's done correctly. Not the institute, yeah. but the like, if people actually put thought and healing behind prayer, I think it, it's true. If you got There's that many world, people right? sending positive energy your way, I think that energy is going to get to you. Just like how some people have all this negative energy because they have so many enemies. Yeah. So it goes both ways, I think. Absolutely. The yin with the yang, as they say, right? Absolutely. So. Well, that's awesome. So that was uh, that was what happened there. Shit. So when you find out that what's that actually called a, a triple plegic? Because you have still a right arm, but I, I don't know what they call right. it. But all I know is that I thought so hard that I would give myself headaches. So I slowly started to get regain um, some mo- movement in my shoulder okay, yeah, joint. Okay, let's get into this. Like your my shoulder and, joint. Yeah. Okay. My hip joint. Okay. Um, but. With regards to toe, ankle, right. and my my elbow and my hand completely like the was, major joints, right? was 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 done, and wow. I would stare at my left hand 
literally talk to it. Like, I'm telling you, energy, man, right? I would <laughs> say, you've done this all your life. You can do this, figure out a way. And I would try to move it and try to move it and try to move it. And I would get such bad tension headaches oh, wow. from concentrating so much right. that I'd have to take Tylenol or whatever. Oh but I just kept trying and thinking. And, and the, the good thing is that right away, they put you... They, put you on a program to try to get muscles moving and they do the same thing for everyone at the beginning and it's up to you though how much you're going to put in I, th- I, I truly believe in that too and I, I wonder if I don't know if I believe in coincidence but I often wonder why is it that I found out that my wife was pregnant the day before this happened right. motivation it, yeah, like I'm the type of person that I, I, I'm a fighter, and I think I would have fought pretty hard. Right. But I don't think I would have fought as hard as I did. Like this, recovering literally became my life's obsession, right. where every single waking minute was about it. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the mentality you have to have to make a full recovery, right? Yeah. And and what I learned was what what I was telling you earlier about how people need to. Put things into small goals and small victories, and so. Also, oh, that's how this all came about. Yes, oh. so as soon as I started even regaining a little bit of movement in my in my hand at all, right. I made myself a, a pact that I would not try to, I would not do anything with my right hand unless I failed at least a few times with my left. Gotcha. And I failed a lot, of course. Right? And it was very frustrating. It was a. It was a big change in, in life. One of the frustrating things that I remember vividly was they would bring you your breakfast in the morning, the nurses. Okay. They'd put it in front of you, and then they'd leave the room. And you don't realize how much you rely on both hands. I'm sure amputees... For Foods, of course. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. amputees find this out right away. So um, they'd have like a, a milk, a milk, a cereal oh shit, and milk. I think of that. Right. So the how do you open up one of those small little milk cartons? Gotcha. If you can open up, up one of those with your one hand, you're my hero. <laughs> right. right? Um, things like that. Everything. Opening up a a, a straw packet. There, there was just so many things right. where I was realized. So I'm sitting there. For like a half hour waiting for the nurse to come to back, back right. I'd ring the thing and you know, the nurse wouldn't come then it starts getting to the time where your therapy appointment's going to be coming oh up right all of this stuff so there was a lot of there was a lot of struggles along the way hurdles as they say right hurdles yeah I remember one other one that I'll tell you that's pretty pretty crazy I I was so excited to leave Toronto Western and go to St. John's Rehab okay. and to get on with that next chapter. Right. The real serious rehab. Of course. And it was the the morning before I was going to leave. Okay. And this was like a week-long build-up of me trying to get released and being excited about it and my wife pushing for it and everything else. It's almost like you're getting released from jail, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now this might... Discuss some of you viewers, but we're gonna, or some of you listeners, but we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the toilet here for a second. Oh, oh I've talked about worse. <laughs> so it was the morning, and what they would do is they would help me. Two people would help me get on this seat, which was like a toilet seat, and they would roll this seat over the toilet. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think they call it a commode. Oh okay. 
I don't know the terminology, but yeah, you see them all the time in hospitals. Yeah, so they roll me over the toilet, right? And the nurse, she tells me, okay, when when you need me to basically to come wipe your bum, right? Pull pull the uh, the cord on the wall. Okay. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. Sure. <laughs> so she leaves. Okay. And then I realize that I have my underwear on still. Oh my god. <laughs> so I'm sitting on this chair needing to relieve myself right. and I have my underwear on. So I think, well, no big deal. Yeah. I have perfect use of my right hand. Oh, okay, so you're gonna try I'll try and try and make this happen. Sure. But my whole left side was destroyed, so you have no core control. I didn't even think of that too. And I wasn't thinking about that. So I started I worked my underwear down, <laughs> right. and as soon as I pushed the underwear down past my knees, okay. gravity took over, Oh no! and off I went and rammed my surgically Shut repaired off. head into the door. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> and down I went, and I'm on, so I'm on the floor right. with my underwear around my knees. What a sight. And I'm, first of all, I'm worrying like, oh my God, did I just like make bleeding happen in my brain again. Of course. Fuck the shit and everything else. Right? Then I'm thinking, how the hell do I get out of the bathroom? Now is the next year. And I look up <laughs> and the cord is way up there. Oh no. So, so I literally used my side of my face okay. and my shoulder <coughs> to get my, propel myself up high enough so that I could pull this cord. Well, like a caterpillar sort of thing? Yeah. Jesus. So I pull this cord, okay. and then as I'm coming down from pulling the cord, I hit the handle for the door, so it opens, it swings open, <laughs> and there I am, crawling on my hands and knees, wow. out the doorway, yelling, help. Wow. Yeah. So that was crazy, and then the nurses come, and they, oh my God, code blue, all this stuff. Right. <laughs> and uh, so then, then, they have to go th- then they have to go through the whole nine yards again. I got to go for a CAT scan. Because you need to make sure. They got to do a million up. different yeah. tests. Oh so God. guess who wasn't going to rehab hospital for a little while longer? So you tacked on extra time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that sucks. All right. So how did you start walking again? Well, okay, well, before we get there, how did you go from not having any sensation to start feeling to having, I guess, what came first? Your arms, your legs? Um, more the leg. Oh, okay. More the leg. Definitely, but the, when I got to St. John's Rehab Hospital, which was five weeks after the stroke, okay, they bring me. I was still, I was so positive. I believe one hundred percent. I'm gonna get past this. I'm gonna walk out of this hospital. I'm gonna be a hundred percent. I was telling guys on my slow pitch team that, <laughs> and I was the shortstop that oh, I will be ready for the season. I will be diving for balls. Wow. That's how much I believed, but That's and it's great to believe and be optimistic, but then there's being be delusional too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so I get to St. John's Rehab, and they put me through the assess this assessment. Right. And what she said was, "Okay, I want you to do this. I want you to try and pick this up with your left hand, and oh, okay. I want you to try and all these things." Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. Oh, shit. Right. Everything. So you were in a wheelchair, Everything. Right? Yeah, I was in a wheelchair, but everything they asked was a complete fail. And then the last thing she said was, okay, I want to test for sensation. 
So I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I'm going to poke you with a dull object and a sharp ob object. And I want you to tell me dull or sharp. Oh, okay. Simple. So, close your eyes. So I close my eyes. Waited. Waited, <laughs> waited, waited, waited. Oh, no. And then she goes, nothing? And I go, uh, nope. And I go, I go, have you started? And she goes, <laughs> and she goes, yeah. She goes, I've been trying with both sharp and dull. And at that moment, it broke me down where I ch choked so hard. That's and I was fighting back tears because th that was the moment where I realized this is way, way worse than I thought. Okay, yeah. And then everything starts racing into my brain fast. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be in a wheelchair. And right. Like, not that there's so anything wrong with that, but that's not what I envisioned for myself. It's of not course. what I wanted, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so at the end of that test, so they great strokes on a scale of zero to seven. Okay. I believe that that's the way this this thing worked, and it was the scale work. And so zero is you have basically nothing, no hope at all. Oh, wow. Seven means you have no deficits. You're, okay. you're fine. Full recovery. Yeah. So they graded my leg, my lower half, at a two, oh, out wow. of seven, and they graded my arm and hand out of one so shut up so it was graded as extremely severe and how was that to you now now you must that was fully defeated it, right? it was it was bad because and then they start telling you all the things i guess they need to tell you right of course, yeah and it's these people were amazing job. i love them to death but they scared me and that's a lie <laughs> of course you know they're telling me your hand could possibly you know look like a claw and you'll be carrying it up you know right. close by your body and this yeah, and yeah. that and so now not only am I thinking I'm not going to be able to use it, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking it's going to look real bad too. Right. So that was just another thing that... Yeah, just kept tacking on. Yeah, kept tacking on. and But I was I was blessed and I just kept, kept the work ethic up and right. I kept working hard. So if they told me, I want you to do these things twice a day, I did them four times. Oh, I see. And they would actually get mad at me because they would tell, tell me, one of the key things about the brain healing is rest. You know, you just That's had brain too, surgery, yeah. so don't overdo it. And I would say yes, but I'd do it again. Because right. for whatever reason, I just I just felt... But then again, too, no disrespect to doctors, because obviously they know more than the human being, but you know your body better than anyone else, too, right? Yeah. They could only suggest to a certain point, and then you're like, okay, I got here, but the doctor said if I push it, I'll feel bad, but I don't feel bad. So let me take it one more until... You know your limit, right? Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit give it's, and take at that point. And so uh, the day I got released from rehab hospital, right. I had always told my wife that I was going to walk out of rehab hospital. Right. And I'm that type of stubborn guy that if I can't walk out of <laughs> rehab hospital, guess what? I'm still walking out of rehab hospital. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, they which isn't smart. So you listeners. So how long were you at the rehab hospital? No, at St. John's for It was a, another, I believe, five weeks Really? That's it? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was going to be longer yeah. than that. No, because, I mean, they, it, they can only, they can only keep so you much. there for so long, too. And, and, then the, I and you got to remember, their, their goal is not to get you running again and doing these things. Their goal is to give you some sort of a normal life. And their goal is also oh. to teach you how to live with things the way they are. Gotcha. So learn to put your socks on with one hand or sure. 
these types of things, but that wasn't what I wanted, right? No, of course. I don't think that's what anyone wants. Again, no disrespect, but still. So, so I have this four-legged cane thing, and okay, yeah, I know those. I walk out of the hospital with that, and when I get home, I tell my wife to leave it in the car. <laughs> Shit. Okay. And she said, "Well, no, we can't do that." And I said, "Well, we have to because I'm not using it." And she said. Please, honey, I've been through so much. I cannot even think about this, about you falling or something like that. Right. And, and I told her, and I believed in myself. I said, I promise you, I will not fall. And if I do, I'll do it smart. <laughs> I'll fall on my right side. Say, yeah, and you won't hit your head. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, from that moment on, I just forced myself to, to learn to walk. And they, they offer you devices that can help because my left ankle was so weak and knee and this and that but a lot of times these devices as much as they help you they hinder you I was just going to say that right? because then it's almost like a crutch as they say and then your body becomes dependent on it exactly and a lot of I got a lot of people that follow me for stroke recovery on social media and they ask me right. all the time questions and about these things and it's tough because I believe in a lot in the way I did things but I also don't want to discourage people from doing things the way they feel they need to. Oh, that's so true. it's tough for me to give them answers. So I'll do the best I can and you know try try to give them good advice, of but course. also not not like know, hurt, like hurt their feelings. Yeah, exactly. Or ram it down their throat and be like, "This is the only way, or it, else you're not going to make it." Or exactly. I mean? So then, when I was in rehab hospital, I had one of my personal trainers. She's a kinesiologist girl named Anta that I had worked with for so many years beforehand she came to visit me okay yeah. and I always worked out on my own okay. I'm not as knowledgeable as her or some of my other trainers sure but I was pretty you know you pretty know. decent you could hold right? your own yeah but when she came to the hospital I said to her I go I need your help okay I go I need you to get me better I need you to get me like all the way better right so she said I'll help you and so I started training with her immediately and we started doing strength training, even if it was, I, if I had to use muscle groups I'm not supposed to. We looked at it as, we'll fix that as we go along. Let's just get this body going. And now that is against a lot of uh, popular beliefs. But again, I can only go by what's worked for me. Exactly, yeah. And when I would go to my outpatient therapy, the woman would say, I hope you're not doing any uh, training at the gym with any weights or anything and I'd say well I I am she'd say well I don't want you doing that this and that and I told her what she wanted to hear I said okay I won't yeah next day I'd I'd come back and I'd train with with my trainer and you'd feel better obviously yeah and she is like a guardian angel to me she literally she invested so much time effort and put so much research into my recovery she rebuilt me so so far okay that's so cool and to the point where I didn't really need her anymore right and then I started wanting to take things to another level I started to wanted to work more on agility I wanted to work more on speed explosiveness I wanted to play slow pitch again which I have which I have right I wanted to do things that I be able to skate again right yeah Uh, all kinds of things as simple as it sounds right? right yeah so I ended up working with Nina, and, and today, to this day, I work with Nina and Jerry, okay. who are two of the absolute best trainers out there. 
and they put so much Nina was the one that was on City TV with me okay. uh, on the news there the other day and the stuff that they've done and where they brought me now is to an even higher level and I owe these people so much and one thing I've learned through this whole experience is gratitude right I think I was a grateful person but I do think I was somewhat selfish definitely I think I am so much less selfish now than I used to be and I think I give so much more of myself now than I would have in the past okay for example would I in the past have helped all these stroke victims for free giving them my time when my wife's saying to me you know hey we're having dinner right now and I'm sitting there sending a message on Instagram to someone that needs my help would I have done that no probably not but I made a pact to myself I made a promise to myself that I will always respond to every single message because you know what I've reached out to people that I think could help me Mm -hmm. and you know how many people of them know how many of them responded to me almost none and to me that just goes to show how people get so absorbed in themselves that they forget about everyone else else meanwhile I'm sure they've had so many people help them along the way Oh, no one could make it to the top or wherever your top is. Right. Doesn't have to be in entertainment or in like fitness like you or whatever. Whatever your goal is, you have to have people lifting you up and helping you on the way there. And you talked about the you know earlier about the universe and about energy. Right. Right? All that stuff. And that's what this is all about. Giving back. People give back to me, I give back to others, and yeah. the whole thing just goes around. We all get better, we all get stronger because of it. It's Mentally true. and physically. It's so true. Like I think of it, well, people think of eye for an eye as being a negative thing. I'm, I use eye for an eye for being a positive thing. Not to say, okay, that sounds kind of selfish because now people are like, oh, so if you can't get anything out of it, that's, that's why you won't get help him. But no, it's like, I'm going to help you because I'm not expecting anything back, but I know when I'm going to be in need, someone will be there for me to fall back on. Exactly. And I won't even have to ask for it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And if that's selfishness, then... You know what? I don't care because that's a good selfishness in my eyes. 100%. Right? So, I don't know. So, okay. Let's get into how you got into working with the Navy SEALs, training with the Navy SEALs. Oh. Like, this is how do you go from being, like, I'm sorry to say, literally a vegetable to running alongside Navy SEALs? (laughs) Okay. So, it's not exactly running alongside them. So, I don't want to. Close enough. Come on, man. But, so, here's what happened. So, we get people come and solicit at the gym all the time, right? Oh, I could only imagine. People want right? to put people want to put up posters in the gym all the time. We got. Oh, I didn't even think we of got, that. We got four or five thousand members. People want to, you know, ha- have access to that. Right. So reception knows that usually, I don't want to talk to those people. I don't blame you. Because you you do it for one, you got to do it for them all. It just never ends. <laughs> exactly. But it just so happened one day. We had a new receptionist, and she came over and she pointed to me and she said, uh, J- "Jason, there's this person here that wants to talk to you." And she sort of pointed at them, and it was like this awkward thing. And so now you have to go. I look over, and this person's <laughs> got an armful of posters. And oh no! So I go over and I'm like, "Hey, can I? How can I help you, man?" Right. And this guy goes, uh, "Well, I'm here on behalf of Baycrest Foundation, and we're running something called Seal Fit." And we're raising money for Alzheimer's and dementia research. And now, as soon as he said that, it hit on me. It hit on something for me because I have Alzheimer's and dementia in my family. It runs in my family. There you go. 
So, boom, he opened my ears. So I started listening. And then he said, this is the first time that Navy SEALs have ever came to Canada. Oh, really? And they're running what's called SEAL Fit. And what it is, is they push you physically and mentally. Right. And you can choose from one of three different categories. Okay. There's six hours, 12 hours. Holy shit. And 24 hours. Get out of here. And so... So I, I said to him, okay, I'll take these posters, man. Cool, I'll put them up for you. Right, right. And after he left, I have these posters on my desk, and I'm staring at them. And for something just told me, they're like, you know, you, you, you've been training so hard. You say you want to inspire something? You say you want to inspire people? Right. Suck it up, man. Let's see what you got. Inspire some people. Just like that. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this, but... I got I to gotta register for this now because right. if I don't register for it now, if I give myself time to think about it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, you'll check it out. Sure. So I go online instantly, sign up for the six-hour one. Right. I Smart. Pay, I pay, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, I pay the $250 registration fee. Okay. And then I had to fundraise $1,500. Okay. So that's how they do it. Gotcha. In order to participate in this. Right. Which, I mean, it wasn't that hard because you got people that care about you. That want to support you. Of course. And it's a good cause, obviously. Absolutely. So, I go up to Jerry and Nina, my trainers, and I said, Hey, guys, guess what I just did? <laughs> I said, we got six months yeah. to get me through six hours of training with, with Navy SEALs. And they're like, all right, let's do this. And, wow. I mean, they believed in me right from the start. But the thing is, this was going to challenge me mentally to a whole nother level. Right. And at this point, how are you feeling physically? I was feeling amazing. Okay. I can honestly say that three months into that six months yeah. of training for this field fit, I was physically in the best shape of my life. Oh, okay. Perfect. Now, I have some muscle groups in my body, like a couple uh, things in my left shoulder that don't don't work quite properly, which sure. makes certain movements uh, with my shoulder difficult. Okay. Um, fine motor skills with my left hand aren't as easy. My grip strength's pretty good with my left hand, but qu- not quite as strong as it is with my right. But I knew it was all going to be mental. It was all going to be mental. So they challenged me mentally. And they would train me so hard, harder than I've never trained in my life. And when I thought I couldn't train anymore, nope. Jerry would say to me, okay, now run to Queensway and back. Oh my god! And they're not gonna lie. There was one workout where I said I quit, man. I quit. <laughs> and because he had said he had had me do a hundred burpees, two sets of fifty burpees. Get out of here! And then sprints in between. Right. And then he said after that, when I finally thought I finished it, I was proud of myself. I was yeah. like, I made it through that. That's when he said, "Now run to Queensway and back." And that's when I. I thought he was just trying to Please. be an a-hole to me. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I quit, man. Sure. And he said, well, there we go. We got a quitter. And he walked oh. away from me. Just like that. And I sat there on the mat yeah. for, I don't know, 20 seconds. And I said to myself, you're really going to be a quitter, right? Like, are you really going to be a quitter? And I'm thinking, what am I mad at him for? All he's trying to do is prepare me for what I'm going to have to face. 
He wants me to succeed. Yeah. He knows how bad I want this. See, that's when you have to push your ego aside, right? Exactly. So then I went up to him. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, man. And I ran to Queensway. <laughs> came back. And I promised him, I said, I will not ever say those words to you again. Wow. And you know what that sort of reminds me of? Again, being a fight fan. The whole Rocky and Apollo scene. When Apollo pushes him so much that he quits. And then Rocky kicks in. It's like... Oh shit! No, he wants me to succeed. He looks in the mirror, eh? And gets yes, the eye of the tiger. Oh, yes, exactly. I love that. I love that. So, one of the things though that I was most afraid of with this seal fit okay. was I knew we were going to have to be submerged under ice water. Uh, that's what I wanted to know. Yes, because that's a whole thing with the whole navy, just your training and, yes. as a whole, right? And so, did you have to hold your breath for a certain amount? Y- of time? Yeah, I think it was for my thing. I think it was only about ten seconds. But oh, okay. But ten seconds under oh, ice water oh. is like try to go, put your shower to as cold as it can be and try oh, to hold God. your breath for ten seconds. I'm gonna go see that way. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need to have like scalding hot showers, but it can't be. It has to be lukewarm or higher. Like, yeah. you know, I can't know. Like, even like that hot and cold spot type things. Like my wife is taking me to a few of those. I never stepped foot in the cold. I was like, fuck you, not, not that shit. So I will say for six months, I worried about that daily, the ice water thing. Well, couldn't you train like at home in a bathtub or something? I, like I, the tried, I tried a little bit. Okay, yeah. And I and failed. Really? You and get so close. mentally I was like, I, I, I don't know. I just guess I'm going to have to just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was in my head. It was, it was deep in my head. Okay. I can't say like I was, you know... I'm going to own this. Nothing can stop me. Right. It was in my head. I was intimidated wow. by it okay. deeply. So, we get to the day of seal fit. Right. They, they start doing all kinds of stuff with us. You know, push-ups, this, that, the other thing. We're about 45 minutes in. And I see in the background, the seals dumping all these bags of ice into these oh, tubs. Oh, no. There it comes. <laughs> so my brain's going. Yeah. So what I'm then thinking is, I thought that would be towards the end of it. So now oh. I'm thinking, I I may not make it through one hour. Oh my God, that's true. And that is going to be a big failure to me. And it's funny though, because I learned a lot about how fear works. Okay. Because when I had to go and do that, so the reason I was afraid, just so you know, is because in the winter, since I had the stroke, when right. it gets really cold, the left side of my body tenses up and stroke, stroke, like stroke symptoms almost come back. And I knew I was going to have to come out of this ice water and I was going to have to do physical exercise. It wasn't going to be come out of this ice water and sit down for a half hour. It was going to be get out and do something. And in which this case, it was get out and bear crawl. Bear crawls are already difficult for me. So, anyway, it, beco- it comes to my turn. So I have to bear crawl there. Right. I get down in this ice water, submerge myself, and literally my mind says, this ain't so bad. Sure. I was actually shocked. <laughs> so you can I do it. So I do this, I get out, and I don't know if it was adrenaline or what, but my body cooperated with me way more than I thought it was. What was it that's perfect? Was it my right side? No. But I was able to bear crawl back. Yeah. Much more difficult, but I was able to do it. Okay. And we had to end up going in that water at least two more times in that six hours. And it wasn't that bad at all. 
But I learned so much from this experience. I would re- they're coming back next year, and I recommend anyone try the six hours. Anyone who's remotely in so shape. It's six straight hours? Yeah, you got like maybe a couple three minute breaks. Oh my god. But when you're around a group of people like that, yeah, it's it, much more And it's doable. infectious and then And it's all done in team team atmosphere. So you might have like teams of six and you help oh, each other okay, and stuff. Gotcha. Okay. It's really, really cool. Learned so much about teamwork. Right. I'm a better manager because of it. That's true. Yeah. Yards. But I even think of that. I'll tell you one thing that really, really impressed me. At the beginning this one seal He's going around, you know, giving us shit, making us do stuff over again. Sure. And, like, he's got this smirk on his face, this smile. Okay. And I'm thinking, this guy's an asshole. (laughs) Right. I'm thinking, this guy is getting off on this. Oh, okay, okay. And if he was, he was. Right. But then what ended up happening is, a couple hours later, we were going to go for this long hike with 50 pounds in our... 40 or 50 pounds in our backpacks. Oh, shit. Okay. And I was first in line right in front of him at this particular time. And I just said to him, I go, hey, I go, I would love to go out and have a few beers with you sometime. I go, you really seem like a happy guy. Right. I just threw it out there. This I didn't know what this was going to do. Okay. (laughs) But they, we were wearing our last name on our shirt because they only go by last name. Gotcha. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, yeah, good at. He goes, you know what? Let me tell you something. He goes, whether I'm four beers deep into a party or four days into Hell Week, right. what you're seeing right now is what you get. Fuck. And he goes, he goes, you know why? He goes, because I am in control of my attitude. That's intense, though, man. It is intense. It is intense, but it got it really got through to me. Right. He said, like. I control whether I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be sad. Right. No one controls that on me. No matter what circumstance I'm in, no one can make me feel that way. Right. Only I can make myself feel miserable. Wow. And he goes, guess what, Cadet? Yeah, but he could smile. He, he goes, guess what, Cadet? <laughs> I choose to be happy. Oh, okay. So inside he feels happy. It's just the experience. No, no. He's happy all the time. Oh, because you were saying that he had this smirk on his face. Because, and... because he's happy. Oh, but I thought so, it was. But you took yeah. it as an arrogance. I thought it. Oh, yeah, I thought it was because okay, he was an asshole. Okay, okay, okay. But like this guy, he was like, no, I'm just happy all the time because oh. that's my choice. See, right? That's awesome. And so, I've been trying to adopt that mindset after. Right. And trust me, I've been it's, trying to. It's, it's hard. hard. I know. Yeah. <laughs> See, we had this act. You same get time. you get your days and. Oh you know, yeah, you get that. It's the outside influence. You know what I mean? Because I actually have this conversation with my wife all the time too. If it's just up to me and my wife, I'd have no fucking issues. Obviously, in a perfect world. But then, like, you got people like obviously, you know, you got telemarketers coming, you got the solicitors, you got this. You have to worry about. Your family, you have to worry about getting car paid. Car breaks down. Car breaks down, your house, something happens to your house or your Stuck apartment. Stuck in traffic. Yeah, anything. Someone cuts you off. You go somewhere to get some food and they fuck up on your order. Or they don't anything. have any stock. Yeah. Just, there's you know always I mean? shit around to, to piss you off. Or at least we Social think media, it's... Social media, someone yeah. pisses you off there. <laughs> or we think it's to piss us off, but really it ain't to piss us off And it's not. We, we build it up in our minds. And that's what I'm starting to realize too as I get older as well, right? And so I, the way I, I'm looking at it right now is, yeah, it's going to be hard. And I'm going to fail with it a million times. But if you're always thinking about trying to do that, you're going to get better and better at it, right? No, you have to. You have to be like at, like, what is, is it Buddhism or where you're Zen and you're at the yeah. center of your own universe? Yeah, I think it would be Buddhism. Or, or, be, or the monks. 
Yeah, Buddhist monk. Yeah, I guess so, whatever. I get, I don't know, I don't practice any of that. So. If I offended anyone, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> so, okay, one last thing before I get into the Damas of the Week. How did you get into motivational speaking? Did it fall on your lap? Did you look for it? Well, so, first thing was, when I was in elementary school, I competed in public speaking. Okay. So, you know how you have to do the speeches? You have to write your speech and say your speech in front of your school? Right, right, yeah. Your oral or whatever it's called. Sure. So I started doing that, and okay. I was good at it, and oh, so well. they would I, they would push me to do it, and right. I would do it, and I, I liked it, and so I would compete in that, and so then once I got, you know, past grade eight, you know, grade nine, I was too cool for any of that stuff, right, because <laughs> that ain't cool anymore, right? That's true. So then it wasn't until after the stroke where just I started improving and people just kept sending me messages telling me how much I'm inspiring inspiring them how much I'm motivating them and yeah so then it just got me thinking I'm like you know what if I'm inspiring this many people why am why am I not going to share a gift that I have why wouldn't I do that right and so I just decided you know what I love my job I ain't looking to become a speaker right as a career making like this a is just thing, yeah. This is just a side thing. Look, and if I want, if if some, if there's a place that asks me to speak for them, and and I like, I, I want to speak there because I think I can get a message across right. to people. For example, if at any, any elementary school or if at any Catholic high school or any high school for that matter yeah. says to me, you know, would you want to come talk to our kids? You know what? I don't want any money for that. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't care because for me. I, like we talked about, so much has been given to me. So many people have been given back to me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very, very blessed man, and I have so much love to give and share with the world. So if I can, if I can put it out there, if if the universe wants me to get paid for something, guess what? It's going to shove it down my throat. It's true. Right? Exactly. And I'll, and I'll know when that, that time too. comes, if that time comes. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you're still putting your, your foot forward and doing something in that realm. It's not like Absolutely. you're just sitting on your ass and like, ah, you know, like those people who always wish to win the lottery. Oh, like, I It's know. like, how can you wish on something that's just random and luck? Yeah. Like, for example, with the podcast, I could sit here and wish all I want for it to be successful. But if I'm not always establishing connections, talking to people like you, talking to people in other genres and in, in the entertainment world and stuff, how am I supposed to be something big or be out there that people want to listen to? You know what I mean? It's like, like recovery. How, you, how are you going to recover if you don't work at it, if you're not willing to push for right? one step at a time, day by day by day by day? And there's too many people out there that are the opposite, that just, like you said, give up. And it's like, oh, and then and then what I hate is, okay, you give up, fine. That's your choice. But don't play the fucking card of, oh, woe is me, poor me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, please, come on, man. Like, you know how many people that I've had on social media delete me because they are not where I am in recovery? Shut up. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is sad. I had one person delete me, and... And I, because she, she had reached out to me and I had given her advice from the right. time, I actually reached out to her and I said, hey, no big deal. Like, you know, you want to delete me, delete me, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I'm just curious why. Like, yeah. You can't handle it. And, and she said to me, she said, I am so sorry. She said, oh, okay. she, she said, I am so sorry. She right. said, it is just, it, it is very difficult for me to see people improving 
and me not improving. Ah, okay. And so I said, okay, I said, hey, no problem, right? Like she was honest. Man. She was honest, and that was great. See, I hate the people who aren't honest. Yeah. And then they turn it into anger, and they make it seem like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And I bring it up always. Again, people hate. I keep saying this over and over, but I don't give two fucks. It's my show. I can say that <laughs> I want. That's the good thing about podcasting, and it, when it, you are your own guest, I guess, or the host of it. You have to, like, I don't know. Okay, forget about it. Who cares? We'll, we'll just move on. But everything in life, like, I think what we're kind of more just, you have to want to work at something, right? You and have to. The pity card doesn't work with me. You know how many, you know how many, you know how many stroke victims uh, DM me daily asking for the trick as to how I got my hand There is no trick. That's the thing. Like People don't get hard work. A lot of people want them, me to give them some answer, like, here, if you, if you get acupuncture, it's going to your hand's going to be 100 percent three months. Yeah, but it's not. I'll I'll tell them what I did, and I'll tell them what's worked for me. Right. But you have to put in the time and effort. Thank you. It doesn't happen overnight. And maybe that's why I keep saying this over and over because I want to nail it in to people, and I don't want people to make it seem like I'm crying. Because okay, I don't give two fucks if no one changes. I'm happy in my life too. So so be it. But I hate those people like oh. Steve must have known someone to get all these guests on his show or oh, what the hell is Steve doing? He must be paying his guests to come on. There's no way in hell someone with no connections could be doing this yeah, well. Yeah. And it's like, well, for every person that says yes, do you not realize I have 15 people saying fucking no? <laughs> exactly. How do you think that makes me feel when I have all these people saying no, no, thank you, I'm passing this, this and that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, fuck you, man. You have to fall and trip. Like, again, maybe that's the tone of, of this episode. You have to fall and trip to get better and to succeed and to be your true 100% self. And know that there's going to be rejection around every corner. Always. And sometimes you, you can't live face, in a world without you rejection. You gotta face it. Like, fuck. Ah. All right, let's get to the dumbass of the week. Speaking of being frustrated, let's see if this person frustrates us this week. Okay. Are you a big flyer? Do you like to fly? Uh, not. Does it bother you? I don't, it doesn't bother me. I, I okay. like it. I just can't afford to go too far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't, again, I bring this up too, but I like to fly. I just don't like the whole experience of fly, if that makes sense. So, and how do you feel when the pilot's not honest with the passengers? Like, do you want the pilot to actually tell you the truth, what's going on, or do you like it sugarcoated? How about that? Let's start off that way first. That's, and then that's it'll lead a, into something. That's a good question. Because if, like, there's serious engine problems, right? I don't think I want to know that. Yeah, but don't, because now there's internet on the airplane, there's Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, you can send it quick. Okay, right. okay. now that you brought that up, sure, I want to <laughs> I don't want to slay you or anything, but with technology, I'd want it that way. Without technology, then no, I don't want it. A hundred percent. Perfect. Okay, so there was this flight from Frankfurt to Cancun. 11-hour flight. If people don't know their geography, that's Germany to Mexico. You're crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Okay? Fair enough. Halfway through the flight, five hours in, unexpectedly, the flight had to turn and go back to Germany. All the pilot said was, we are sorry, we're having some technical difficulties, we are rerouting, going back to Germany you're going to have to find another flight, whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. Now, can you guess in your wildest imagine? Okay, five hours. You're halfway. You're having engine problems. Why are you going back? Same distance. Yeah. Right? But me, see, I'm a bit conspiracy theorist as well. I like to entertain them. So right away, I'm thinking Cancun. Like, you know what I mean? That's on, like, you know, there's not really too much law going on there. It's corrupt, this and that. Is some war breakout? Is something going on? Are we going to get shot down? Like, you know, yeah. this is what I'm going to start thinking. And this goes back to maybe they should tell you the truth. So they go back. So everyone's upset. And this is what everyone's saying. Like, why did we reroute back? Can't we just go? 
You want to know what the fucking real reason I'd was? I'd be so pissed. The most idiotic reason I could think. First off, it was the pilot's fault. You forgot his smokes? Nope. <laughs> As we drink our coffee, sir, during this episode, motherfucker spilled his coffee on the dashboard and it supposedly melted the radial component of the airplane. Oh my God. I have two questions though. Now, could this be a cover-up as well? See again, conspiracy theorists. How hot does a coffee have to be to me- melt metal on a fucking goddamn airplane? For sure. And second, why was this coffee still scalding hot five hours into the flight? Was it a coffee he had at the beginning though, or did they just did the stewardess just bring? That's it? true too, because they could serve a fresh but coffee. How hot do they get water on? On an airplane too, right? It can't be that, and because you can't serve scalding water anymore because people soup. Right, so it has to be hot enough where it's still palatable, where you could swallow it, but not too hot where you could scald yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I so think, is this, I think you're onto something there. Okay, conspiracy theories apart. This guy's a pilot of a fucking goddamn airplane. You, how do you spill a cup of coffee on the dashboard? Yeah. So is he a dumbass? Yeah, he's a dumbass. <laughs> but now check this out. Because of the stuff, see again, you have to trip and fall and cause mistakes in order to fix stuff, right? Now. You're, it's mandatory for every airplane now to have a cup holder in the cockpit. And now, see, aren't they dumbasses from the beginning for not having one? Yeah, they got it on every. They got it on every car, like car. Even the passengers have yeah. it. Jeez, my riding lawnmower has one. <laughs> it does. It's true. I know. Yeah. So, all in all, I guess maybe just the airplane industries are—they're just a dumbass to begin. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> All right, this is your time. Where can people find you? Where do you want people to follow you? Where do you want people to contact you? You can follow me on Instagram at J, the letter J, Gaudette, G-A-U-D-E-T-T-E, and then the numbers two, 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 four twos. That's actually an angel number because my stroke occurred at 2,200 hours, 22 minutes on February 2nd. No coincidences. I don't believe. No coincidences, man. So, wow. You know, <laughs> people can believe what they want, but that is where you can reach me. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love for you to follow my journey. And if you have any questions about recovery, about fitness stuff like that, if I can't answer it, someone on my team can. And if That's you're awesome. if you're into fitness, you're into MMA, or you want want to learn about it or get involved in it, come on down to Extreme Couture Toronto in Etobicoke. We'll give every, I'll give every listener of this podcast, anyone who's interested, a 30-day free trial. You don't have to buy anything. Wow. Try us out. No Good charge. Enough. See that? that? You can't get that anywhere else, people. <laughs> and for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest. Good or bad, I read them all and I try to respond to them all. Mostly... If, if they're horrible but funny and I can respond in a funny way, I will. But if it's just someone like pissing on my parade, you could go fuck yourself. I'm not going to entertain you. <laughs> so you, do what you want. So email me there and please, please rate, subscribe, review on all the major platforms. That would be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please go to the top of the show, rewind, support all the great and amazing guests. And please, if you support, want to support me directly, go to... Uh, tpublic.com search the podcast or like I said at the beginning as well scroll down to the bottom of the description click the link there it'll take you directly they have everything that you want t-shirts hoodies 
all with the podcast logo. Please, it helps me out a lot. All good, my friend? Awesome, man. Perfect. On that note, oh, actually, one last thing. Do you do personal fitness lessons as well? Or oh have my you God. ever? Do I personally? Or yeah. do I take... I No, do you give them? I do not. The club does, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, we have some of the top trainers and instructors in the GTA, but... No, I, I just manage the club. Okay, perfect. Because this is going to go down, aware, and people know I'm a perv on the show. So I just wanted to know the, the true thing with the personal fitness. If you have like those chicken heads, so to speak, who think they're coming for a fitness, but really coming for like something else sexual or something. Oh, so my you God. You never had those type of stories. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> perfect. On that note, he's Jason. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.